the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven will be like two people, let's call them Jack and Diane. <laughs> Jack and Diane get together one day outside the Tasty Freeze. Jack asks Diane to marry him. And she says yes. She says yes. And so they go back to their little town and they celebrate with all the townspeople because it's a small town. And as Jewish custom dictates, Jack will now go build a house for him and his fiancée. So he'll go build that house. Who knows how long it'll take? A little while, a long while. We don't know for sure. Jack calls all his friends. Hey, guys, can you help me build this house? Some other people are there, and they go, Jack, you're going uh, to need a skill. And so he learns a skill so that him and Diane can live well together. And on the other end, Diane's on the other side of town at her house, and everybody's getting together over there, and they're preparing for this wedding that is going to happen at some point. And we don't know how long it's going to take, but it'll happen pretty soon. And then the day comes. The day comes. Jack puts the finishing touches on the house. He goes and takes a shower, and he starts going out into the town, just as Jewish custom would dictate, and he starts his walk towards Diane's house. And as he, walk, he, as he walks, he sings. What does he sing? I don't know, Marry That Girl by Magic. <laughs> 500 miles by the Proclaimers. He's singing something, okay? He's singing something. And he's singing and he's knocking on doors. And people are coming out of their houses just like Jewish custom would tell us. And they're coming out of their houses and they're celebrating and they're singing with Jack. And everybody's singing and people are grabbing, you know, grabbing their booze, and they're going outside, and they're having some drinks, and they're running around, and the kids are running around, and it's, it's a ton of fun, and they go house to house, and they do this. Well, one woman, she calls, she says, Diane, they've started the walk to your house. They started the walk. Get ready. They're on their way. And so Diane goes, bridesmaids, it's our time. Let's get ready. Jack's on his way. He's going to be here in a few hours. Let's go outside. And they all go outside. And they all go outside, and they have their flashlights because it's like, you know, it's this little town, and they, they don't have streetlights or anything. So they got their flashlights, and they're waiting for Jack and the rest of the crowd to show up. And, uh, and it's taking some time. And it takes time because every door Jack knocks on, people want to, like, hang out and do cheers. And then Uncle Artie shows up. You guys know what happens when Uncle Artie shows up. <laughs> you know what happens. He brings out his mischievous grin and his best homebrew, and it's all over. And so all this stuff is going on, and it's happening, and the bridesmaids, they start to fall asleep. They fall asleep with their flashlights on. I don't know how long they've been asleep. Two hours, six hours, five hours. Who knows? How long have they been asleep? But all of a sudden, one of the bridesmaids wakes up because she hears this faint sound in the distance. And I would walk 500 miles. I would walk 500. And all of a sudden, she's like, oh, the, the party, it's coming. The party's going to be here soon. I can hear them in the distance. They're singing, and there's the revelry. And they're like, but our flashlights went out. And there's five bridesmaids. They're called the wise ones. They have batteries in their purse. So they go in their purse, and they get their batteries. They were the ones that you know. They went to Smith, and they were all American lacrosse players. They, they, you know, that's who they are. And so they are always prepared. They know it all. And, and, and then there's the bridesmaids. They're called the foolish bridesmaids. And they go, give us batteries. We need batteries. Our flashlights are out. They, didn't, they went to Oneonta. They didn't go to any good school. So, so anyway, so you know, they don't have their batteries with them. And they're like, we don't have any batteries left. You're going to have to go to the hardware store. So these, you know, the five foolish bridemaids, they start running down the street. And, you know, they're tripping over things because they can't see. It's dark. And guess what? The hardware store is owned by Uncle Artie. Problem. It's closed. Okay? They come tripping back, running back through it all. And in the meantime, Jack shows up. And he takes Diane into his arms, and they celebrate, and everybody says, let's go to the big barn. And they all go to the big barn to continue the celebration. 
And all of a sudden, the bridesmaids come running back, and they're trying to make it back. And the barn door is closed, and we're New Yorkers. We are 20 minutes late to everything. (laughs) But what can you not be 20 minutes late to? A wedding. You cannot be 20 minutes late to a wedding because what happens? It's awkward. You have to sit outside. You have to wait for the thing to happen, right? And so that's what happens. The bridesmaids come up, and they're banging on the door, and the usher comes, and he goes, that's embarrassing. Stop it. Wait till it's over. For this is the kingdom of heaven. This is how these disciples would have heard this parable when Jesus told it, okay? In a more of a modern context, in a way that made sense to them. And this parable is possibly the most debated parable in all of Scripture. There is no consensus on what this parable actually means. Nobody quite knows. Nobody can figure it out. We have ideas. We have a few ideas. This is how Jesus operates, doesn't he? He's never all that straightforward. He's always telling stories, this guy, right? Anyway, what is it not about? What do we know it's not about? It was interesting. You know, I was doing a bunch of research on this parable, and, um, and immediately my mind goes to what? My mind goes to the way I grew up. I heard this parable growing up. Did you guys hear this growing up? A few of you? Some of you? Good. A bunch of you. Good. So we, we hear this, and, and, and immediately my mind goes, well, the ones without the, uh, the batteries, they're going to hell, and the ones that make it in are going to heaven. That's what's going on here, right? That's sort of the way I was taught growing up. And then you read... And there's some really interesting things happening that make that kind of an inconsistent viewpoint. And one of the things that you read is that, is that in Jewish times, in the time of the Jewish culture, what would be happening, would, the celebration would have started the second the, the, the groom came out of the door. Okay? That's when the celebration starts. So everybody in this town is there. Everybody in the town is invited. Everybody in the town is already a part of what's going on. There is nobody who is not a part of this. Everyone is a part of this. Okay, that's number one. Number two, oh, the, the wise and the foolish, right? Some are prepared, some are not. But they all fall asleep. They all are in this party, and they all fall asleep in the party. So it's not an in or an out. It's not an either or or. And I like what the theologian Mark Douglas said about this. He said, this parable does nothing to promote the all-too-common pro- uh, project of attempting to distinguish between insiders and outsiders on the basis of, of having knowledge of the host. Okay, so Jesus... Our bridegroom here, or God, our bridegroom here, knows everybody. Everybody's in. Everybody's part of the party. Some fall asleep, some don't. Or, or all fall asleep, but some are prepared, some are not. So what is this about? What could this be about? Well, there's some sense in which this is about the end. Okay? There's some end time thing happening right here. Okay? If you have grown up as a Christian, then you have heard about Jesus who has come to earth, who died, who was resurrected, who went back to heaven, and who will be coming back. That is something that we believe. Okay? In the first century, when people heard this, they would have believed the same thing. They would have thought the same thing. There was going to be some sort of ending. We love endings. We're obsessed with trying to figure out the ending. We're obsessed with trying to figure out what the future looks like. That's why we love um, you know, like the Hunger Games or whatever. We want to know what's going on in the future. We want to know what it's going to look like. Like the day after tomorrow. where the, You guys remember that movie where like, the snow is up to the Statue of Liberty's nose? That, we want to know what's going to happen in the future. What's going to happen at the end. There was a movie that came out on Friday with the immortal Nick Cage. <laughs> tells us all about the end. Everything we want to know. Actually, this is some of the worst theology you will ever get in your life. It might be a good movie. I might go see it. I won't see it. I won't see this movie. 
But we are obsessed with the end. And so in some way, in some capacity, there are other people who are also obsessed with the end. They want to know about the end. So now we've got to put ourselves in their place, all right? First century, brand new churches that are seeing this parable for the first time, okay? What do they think about the end? Well, they've become Christians, so they've left what they know, all right? They've left their culture. They've left everything that they understand, and now they're part of this church, and the church is messy, and they don't quite get it, and they're waiting for Jesus to come back. Because when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back with a sword. Okay, and he's going to come back with a sword. He's going to wield that sword. He's going to defeat the Roman Empire, and they're going to live in relative peace. That's the expectation. That's what the end will look like. It's going to be a, a, let's call it what it is, a bloody ending, a violent ending. Jesus is going to take care of the Roman Empire. It's going to be great. Okay, That's what they think is going to happen. Now imagine... Imagine with them thinking that's what's going to happen. That's what the end will look like. Imagine their surprise when the Gospel of Matthew comes in and they read it for the first time as a church and all of a sudden it says the kingdom of heaven will be like, the end will be like a wedding, a party, a celebration. Imagine the shift in expectation you might have when you read that for the first time. That's what it's going to be like. And so this group, this first century church, would know all about these weddings, they would have been a part of them. If you were a kid, you would know that you were going to not have to do your chores, you were going to miss school, you were going to run around for a bunch of days, it was going to be great, your parents would have no clue where you were, right? If you were an adult, you knew you were going to party, and it was going to be an incredible time, and Uncle Artie was going to show up with his best stuff, and you knew this was going to be an incredible time. So they would read this, and they would say, wow, it's not going to be violent. It's not going to be a war. It's going to be like a party, Wow, this is incredible. This is great news. But then what, what, what would they do? Well, they would also know that, oh man, but this takes time. It takes time for the groom to build the house. It takes time for all these unique things to happen that have to happen and for the, the groom to get a skill set and for the bride to prepare. And we don't know how much time that's going to take. In fact, we remember when we were growing up that we would have to wait sometimes months, sometimes like a year or two before they even got married. And so you have this tension here, the tension between the here, this is going to happen, and the not yet. But it's not happening yet. You have this tension between the here and the not yet. You guys ever feel this tension, the tension between the here and the not yet? You feel it before? Somebody, somebody's like, checks in the mail, and you're like, why don't you use Chase Quick Pay? And they're like, we didn't. <laughs> and then you wait, right? And you have like 72 bucks in your bank account, and you're like, I know this check's coming. I just need to get here before I empty my bank account, right? The here and the not yet. You order something on Amazon, and you do it two-day delivery because you want to wear the cool shoes that you bought that night out, right? What do you do? You click refresh on the tracker the entire time. Where are my shoes? What warehouse are they in? Because you got them. They're, they're here, but they're not, not yet. And then we have Christianity. We have our faith. We have this promise. This promise that there's this Jesus, right? That when Jesus comes back, there is a celebration. It's a celebration of love and thankfulness and of making things right with this place. And then we have this and we celebrate it and we worship every day here at this church, but we have the not yet. We have the not yet. It's been 2,000 years. Where are you? Still waiting. What's going on here? And if you're like me then you might even doubt that Jesus is coming back at all. If you're like me, then you've doubted a bunch about that, and you're not sure if this thing really makes any sense, and you're kind of like, 
Is this ever going to happen? I don't know if it's going to happen. In fact, I'm getting frustrated by it all. I don't know if I believe this any longer. I got to imagine that the first century, those churches who saw this were, were, you know, they were like, great, it's going to be a celebration. Oh no, I think I want to leave the church and go back to where I came from. Because at least there, at least there, I wasn't going to be persecuted. And at least there I knew what to expect. And at least there I, I knew that I would be, uh, have some sense of security. And, and so they, they, they read this and there was like this sense of like, good, but oh no, what's going to happen? And I think we can feel that way too. God, you're here, good, but oh no, where are you really? Because I don't necessarily feel you. And, and what happens when we get like a bad diagnosis? Or when our relationships go bad, when we lose a job when we have credit card debt up to our eyes, when we just can't seem to get rid of our anxiety, when there's no peace, what do we end up saying? God, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? I'm going to go back to something else. I'm going to go back to something else that's easier for me to worship. Something else that I know a little bit better. And so we do. We do. We dive into a relationship. And the relationship is our new God. It's the thing that's tangible. It's in front of us. We see it. And maybe we haven't been at church in a while, and that's okay, because I love this new person. We dive into a new skill. We dive into a new job. We dive into a new band, a new instrument. Name it. We worship something else. Name it. What is, what is it for you? What's it in your mind? Because that thing's tangible. That thing is there. That thing we're not waiting on. That thing we know what to expect of. We know how it works. And we can see it. And so, God, you're not really around, and I have no clue when you're showing up, and so I'm going to go ahead and worship something else. And that's exactly what many people in the first century church did, too. But we're not done with the parable yet. We're not done because we really haven't hit on the bridesmaids. We haven't really talked to, about them a whole lot just yet. You know, I was uh, listening to this message by Rob Bell, and Rob Bell says, um, you know, whenever Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like or the kingdom of heaven will be like, it loosely translated into um, like you've had it a little bit wrong or you've misunderstood. You've misunderstood. It's something different than what you expect. That's sort of how it translates this in this real loose way. It basically says, hey, change your mind or think about this differently. So the kingdom of heaven will be like Jesus is saying, hey, I need you guys to think about this differently for a second. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, the bridesmaids, they're all there. They're already there. And guess what? The party already started. The party is already happening. There's already singing. There's already fun. There's already kids running around. There's already revelry. It's all there. It's happening. There are some who could shine their light on it to see it. And there's others who cannot. And so the question now becomes, what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, while you wait in this tension, what you need to understand is there's some crazy, unimaginable, incredible things going on that God is doing that are happening right now while you wait. Can you see it? Do you have the light to shine upon it or not? Is it there? This is what Rob Bell says about that. He says, Jesus, in this parable, is inviting us to wake up to the divine. His message, though, is timeless because he, what we want is a full life, a vibrant life, a life in which you experience the divine fullness throughout a day in countless people and events in countless ways. Open your eyes. Trust that the divine is present, especially in the lost, the broken, the hungry, and the lonely. 
The bridegroom is walking and people are singing and a celebration has started. Do we have the light to shine upon it? Can we see what's happening while we wait? Can we see the good things that are happening in the here and the not yet? Do we see that? Can we see it? And if we can't, why? What do we need to clear out of our way in order to see God at work already in the good things going on every single day? What do we need in order to see that? How can we shine our light on that? For me, I remember I didn't want to ever pray. I'm not going to pray until somebody gives me the words to pray. And then one day I said, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to start going to church when, um, you know, I'm going to start going to church as soon as my life stops being busy. And I'm going to get out of that debt as soon as I buy this one last thing and then I'll start getting out of debt. And I'm going to say I'm sorry to this person as soon as I just stop being so angry. Uh, and then I'll say I'm sorry. Or I'm going to like finally go to that place where that was, or that thing that I was meant to do in life. But I'm not going to do it just yet. And I think when we say that, basically what we're saying is, hey, we're out of light. We're unprepared. We don't have it. I think what Jesus is saying is while you wait, there's amazing, unimaginable, incredible things going on. It is a party. It is there to celebrate. Are you prepared? Are you ready to shine your light on it right now, today? What do we need to do? Who do we need to talk to? What move do we need to make? What step out of anxiety do we need to take? What has to happen? And then... If you're able to do that, take that step, whatever it is for you, that thing for you that needs to work, that needs to move, what are you going to see? What will you witness? What will it look like? How surprising will it be? How will you shine your light on the divine that's already happening as we wait in the here and the now? I was uh, walking down the street the other day, and uh, there was a guy and, you know, somebody who's saying, like, hey, I need money to get back home to wherever I'm from. And, you know, we're all walking by, and I was going to walk by because I'm not a good person. And we're walking, and uh, there was this guy in front of me wearing, like, really, like, dressed nicely, like, looked really good. And he goes to walk, and all of a sudden he just stops, and he turns, and he goes, and he sits down next to the guy, and he holds out his hand. And he says, hey, I'm so-and-so. And I see that they just start talking. And it was surprising. And all of a sudden I was like, is that light shined on the divine? I think that was light shined on the divine. And I was getting off a train about a month ago at 23rd Street, getting off the F train, and I walk, and as I'm getting off the train, this woman just passes out. She just falls over, and I go over to help, and by the time I get over to help, there's four people there, and one person's on the phone dialing 911, and two people are holding her up, and then this other woman is like just brushing her hair. She's going, it's okay. It's going to be okay. It's okay. And I thought like, God, are you you shining this light on on you, on the divine? How will we see the divine? How can we prepare ourselves to shine a light on the divine happening every day? Dylan Love was walking home, and in his words, he was telling me that, uh, you know, he wasn't having the best of days. And as he walks home, this guy comes up to him and starts saying to him, peace, 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 over and over, peace. And then the guy gives him a bracelet, puts the bracelet on him, and says, peace. And Dylan says to me that he stopped for a moment and then fought everything to run after the guy and be like, tell me about this peace. (laughs) But there's God shining a light on the divine. There's God shining a light on the good work that God is doing, the unimaginable work that God is doing while we're here, while we wait, while we think God's not around.
How can you prepare yourself today to shine a light on the divine? Our community is two years old. I don't know how we made it, but we did. (laughs) Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know, you know, why, why, why has this worked out? I think it's worked out because of this reason. I don't think it's worked out because of what's happened up here, although today was amazing. Nice job, Gracie, um, and everybody else. <laughs> but um, I think it's because over and over again, we shine lights on one another, and we shine lights on the divine that's happening in our church right now all the time. I think we shine a light on the divine every single time we go and serve, and we serve a lot. I think we shine a light on the divine every single time we throw a party, and we throw a lot of parties. We will throw parties for anything. Don Torrance will buy a number two pencil. We'll throw a party for that. <laughs> I think we shine a light on the divine when, when somebody comes up to me. Steph this week you know, said on Facebook, she's like, our, our, our small group asks really cool questions, and that's like shining a light on the divine, on God at work right here, right now. Last year, there was this community, right, and there were a bunch of families, and they said, I think we're going to be a part of this church And there's a light shine on the divine when Angela is up here singing and so many people from this church are leading and I call them friends and brothers and sisters. That is shining a light on the divine. That is what we celebrate today. That's what we celebrate. How will you prepare yourself to shine a light on the divine? What will you see? We're going to leave here today and there's a party going on outside. It's happening. Here's what I want you to do. What is going on that stops you from seeing the divine, that God at work in the most incredible and unimaginable of ways? What's stopping you? Get rid of it. Throw it away. Let's go outside. Let's see the divine on the kids' faces that are being painted. Let's see the divine in the sausage and peppers truck. There's going to be a thousand of them. (laughs) Let's see it in the people. The people that walk by us, that bump into us. Let's see it in the fact that we can walk hand in hand with Nate Boykin, who's had like 11 surgeries and stuff. (laughs) Nate's been in the hospital a lot, for those of you who don't know Nate, and he's out and he's here. So anyway, that we can walk outside with Nate, with a bunch of other people, and celebrate the fact that God is here and God is at work in the most unimaginable and amazing of ways. I invite you to do that today, right now, in the here and the not yet. And yes, maybe things don't work out the way we want them. Maybe the expectations we have aren't always great, but God says, be prepared, shine your light. The bridegroom is, cr- is coming. The songs are being sung. There's a celebration. Can you see it? Will you see it? Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that you are at work all the time. <laughs> it's, I'm sure if we just had the biggest flashlight in the world, we'd be in complete awe and we would never be able to do anything else. But God, help us to shine that little light on the little things that maybe we miss in the midst of our frustrations, in the midst of our struggles. Help us to see your good work all around us and the fact that this kingdom is becoming your kingdom, your place of peace. Help us to be a part of that. We pray this all in your name. Amen.